Rent strike in one Toronto building grows to another. A 17th person has died in the bus crash in Carberry. The largest forest fire ever to burn Canada is raging in northern Quebec. People who were stolen as babies from mothers in Guatemala are searching to reconnect with their biological families. And flooding in South Korea has killed 40 people at least. Good morning. It's July 17th. I'm Nora, and here are your headlines. First to Toronto, where more than 300 tenants in two buildings have refused to pay their rent to protest their landlord. The first rent protest started at 33 King Street in the old city of York, in Toronto's northwest end. They are on strike to protest their landlord who has not respected rent controls. That rent strike has extended to another site owned by the same landlord. Protesters yesterday marched to their local MP and MPP's offices. Their MPP happens to be Michael Ford, who is Rob Ford, I mean Doug Ford's nephew, and Minister of Canadian Heritage Ahmed Hussein. CTV News talked with Elizabeth Thompson, who said that her rent was $500 when she moved in. Now it's nearly $1,000. The first of the strikes started in June, but now 100 tenants from nearby John Street, but now 100 tenants from the nearby John Street location have joined the strike. CTV News spoke with Anthony Aleo, a tenant, who said that his rent increase has been as high as 25% since 2019. Him and his wife have had to decide between paying for their rent or buying food. They have a two-year-old. The John Street building's elevators have also not consistently worked. Tenants at the King Street location have had their balconies under repair and have not been able to go onto them. And the pool is closed. Requests for the above guideline rental increases were made by the previous owner of the building, say Dream Unlimited, the current owner. A VP of Dream Unlimited, Hiro Mohtadi, said that they have reduced the original ask, quote-unquote, significantly. Though CTV News doesn't report what their new ask for an above guideline rent increase is. That only applies to the King Street building, though. The John Street building was purchased by Dream Unlimited after 2018 and so does not, quote, fall under the purview of the provincial rent increase guidelines, unquote, says Muktadi. Dream Unlimited holds $23 billion in assets, according to the company's LinkedIn site. In 2020, the company extracted profits from 12,000 apartments. In 2021, Dream was given $136.6 million from Canada's infrastructure bank to retrofit commercial buildings to make them more energy efficient. That's right. $136 million of our money from the Canadian Infrastructure Bank has been given to this landlord to do energy upgrades. Those energy upgrades are only in their commercial buildings, and I didn't find any information about whether or not they were getting money to do the same in their apartment buildings. Next to Dauphin, Manitoba, where a 17th person has died as a result of the deadly bus crash that happened in Carberry, Manitoba. In total, 15 women and two men have died. There were 25 people on that bus. The latest victim was 79. The mayor of Dauphin, David Boziak, said that the last victim's funeral was just yesterday, and so the news of the 17th victim is hitting the community very hard, reports Magni McIntosh from the Winnipeg Free Press. Recently, two other injured passengers have been released from hospital. Seven remain in hospital, and none are in intensive care. With the death toll, this bus accident is now more deadly than the one that happened with the Humboldt Broncos. 
though not as deadly as the time that 44 people died 25 years ago in a bus accident in Quebec's Les Escumins. And speaking of road accidents, Post Media's Chris Doucette is reporting that trucks have been the cause of thousands of crashes each year in Ontario. OPP responded to 9,110 collisions that involved a truck in 2022. That's the highest number of collisions involving a truck in more than a decade. 71 people died as a result of these crashes, and the OPP says that a majority of the crashes were inevitable. The OPP blamed the crashes on speed and following too closely. While the article frames this as a truck driver problem, the OPP said that 38% of the collisions resulted in charges to drivers of passenger vehicles. And so more than a third of the times in these incidences, it was actually the fault of not the truck driver. These crashes only account for 12% of all collisions, though. The article, which is sole sourced from the Ontario Provincial Police, doesn't say anything about fatalities or injuries related to the remaining 88% of collisions. In 2022, there were 359 motor vehicle fatalities. This was an increase of 11% over 2021. If only 71% of these deaths were from collisions involving trucks, and one-third of the time those collisions were the fault of non-commercial drivers, well, it's strange that this article is framed to make it sound like it's careless truck drivers who are causing all this death. Instead, it seems more like careless non-commercial drivers. Next to a forest fire that is raging to the east of James Bay. It's burning across 1 million hectares and is the biggest forest fire ever to burn north of the 49th parallel. The area is just a bit smaller than Lebanon, reports Lila Lousseau and Léa Carrier with La Presse. Two workers with the province's forest fighting company Sopfu were injured fighting the fire. That's the first time in 30 years that someone has been injured fighting a forest fire in Quebec. The region would normally have 80 millimeters of rainfall in the last 30 days. This year, though, there's only been 20 millimeters and 10 in some places. About 200 people who live in the municipality of Radisson have been evacuated by Air Inuit planes to Montreal. Residents were given three hours to pack and go. Vulnerable people living in Chisassabee were also evacuated because of smoke last Friday. There's been a temporary shelter opened in Metagamy for people who have been evacuated. Next, this past weekend, a report from Le Journal de Montréal by Elisa Cloutier featured the story of several people who had been trafficked as infants in Guatemala and adopted by families all over the world, including hundreds in Canada. Cloutier starts with the story of Marjorie Normandin, who, after postering in Guatemala City with a poster that had her face on it as a child and an adult, was able to find her birth mother. Normandin, like hundreds of others, was born between 1980 and 1990 and stolen from her mother without their consent. The adoption papers had been signed by the government of Guatemala and adoptive parents were not aware of the trafficking ring. Marjorie's posters were seen by the right people in Guatemala because several months later, her mother contacted her via messenger. She discovered that she also has six half-siblings. Her father had since died. Her mother lives in North Carolina, and Marjorie was able to visit her and three sisters. Her mother said that right after having given birth, nurses took Marjorie for her for tests and never brought her back. Marjorie Lopez was then adopted by a Quebecois couple six months later and became Marjorie Normandin. At least 30 other people who'd been adopted from Guatemala and who were raised in Quebec are searching for their families, and they've been helped by a foundation called Lost Roots. 
They believe that nearly 4,000 infants were illegally adopted from Guatemala. Quebec has closed adoptions from Guatemala since 2001, but the article doesn't mention what the Quebec government could be doing to help these people connect with their families, who likely never consented to their children's adoptions. And finally, to South Korea, where flooding has killed at least 40 people. The latest victims were pulled from a flooded underground tunnel in Jeonju in the central part of the country. Days of heavy rains have triggered flash floods and mudslides. 10,000 people have been evacuated. The Osong Tunnel is 685 meters long and up to 15 vehicles, including a bus, were in the tunnel when a flash flood overwhelmed them. In just a few minutes, a mixture of water, mud and debris rose 4 to 5 meters in the tunnel. Since July 9th, more than 600 millimeters of rain has fallen in South Chungcheong. Those are your headlines for Monday, July 17th. I'm Nora. You're listening to this at sandyandnora.com on the Real News Network podcast feed and syndicated on campus radio stations across Canada. It's the start of a new week. I hope you have a great Monday. And if Monday is your holiday, if Monday is your day off, hope you enjoy it. Talk to you tomorrow.